First John chapter 3, verse 1 says this, See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will, what will, we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him, because we shall see Him as He is. And everyone who thus hopes in Him purifies himself as He is pure. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know, that He appeared in order to take away sins, and in Him there is no sin. No one abides in him, keeps on singing. No one who abides in him keeps on singing, excuse, uh, sinning. Ugh, excuse me. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning. For God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning. Because he has been born of God, verse 10, By this it is evident uh, who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another, we should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love, our, we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees uh, his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? You see, little children, let us not live in the world, in the word or talk, uh, but in deed and in truth. Verse 19, by this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart, and he knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do what, he please, and do what pleases him. Verse 23, and this is his commandment that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he has commanded us. Whoever keeps his, keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. Amen. Why don't you take a seat? So tonight we have an opportunity to uh, sow into what Jade and Julius are doing in Tanzania. So I want everyone to come. And Pastor Katie was right. If you've got plans, don't worry about it. You can just come here. All will be well. And uh, come and be a part of tonight. We're going to have a good time. And uh, the most important thing for tonight, and I can say this because uh, it's just easier when they're not here, but we, I really want our church to sow financially into their ministry. And the world that they face in uh, Tanzania is unique and much different than ours, but God loves every single one of those kids and people in their community just as much as he loves us here. So we, I want us to do our part. And like I said last time, 
uh, when my uh, old friend uh, and good friend, Pastor Jeff Hackett, was here uh, at the end of June, we gave the most money we've given in five, over five years to Erdo on that Sunday. So we, like, set records, and uh, I'm so excited. So I want to set some more records tonight. So if you've got a savings account that you've been looking to empty, tonight is the night, all right? And uh, we'll leave it at that. All right. Some of you are like, how dare you? And other ones are like, yeah, okay. So we'll just go. Uh, our first point today is, you can put it up there. About, oh, she's, she's so good. Like I'm watching and bam. Okay. Our first point today is destiny. You see, we are called children of God. Did you know that you are called a child of God? You see, God has bestowed. He's freely given to each of us who are called by him the mantle of being his child. When he calls us a child of God, that's not just a, a loose phrase that he gives us. It's a declaration over our life. You see, we are children of God. He loves us. That is our destiny. Bestowed or given speaks to God's love. Our, our, our uh, second thought for today. You see, he desperately loves you. Did you know that? He, des he is desperately calling humanity to him and the ultimate drawing of mankind to himself. He is calling every single one of us. He's calling the one who is furthest from him today. He is speaking in a still soft voice to them. You see, he hasn't stopped drawing humanity to find his love for them. All of us are searching. We're all searching until we find the love that God has for each one of our lives. God is giving. He's always freely giving to us. Matthew 6, verse 33 says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. That's what the word of the Lord says to us. You see, seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness adds to us. It adds to who we are as human beings, as people of God, as children of God. Everything that we need is given by the Lord Jesus. You see, if we allow God and don't get in the way of what he wants to do in our lives, he will freely give to us, freely provide for all of us. Arlene's been teaching me, my wife uh, has been teaching me recently, that sometimes we can get in the way of what God wants to do in our lives. Did you know that? We can get in the way, and it's because we're not really willing to accept everything that he wants to send our way. We're saying, God, I want the Cadillac, but I don't want the lawn tractor. God, I don't know what that is. God, I want the, the, the great thing you've given to me, but I don't want what you're actually providing for me. No, we are to open our arms and say, God, what are you providing? What are you giving for me, I'll accept it. So what stops us all from, uh, for the first time, what stops us in the first place or, or even fully embracing our destiny that God has placed on our lives, what stops us from believing in God's love for us, what stops us from pushing back on God and saying, even if we don't say it with our lips, but with our spirit saying, no, not now, Lord, now is not the right time. Well, here's our first thought. What stops us is this. It's our pride. You see, pride demands to prove yourself worthy of the love of God. Did you know that? That's what pride wants you to do. It wants you to prove yourself worthy of the love of God before it will be received. You have to let your pride down so that we can receive the love of God. I've said this before, but we live in a world where pride has become a, 
a unifying word, word of encouragement for certain people, even a, a source of encouragement for parents or grandparents or people who are proud of their children or other things. And all those thoughts are, some of them I agree with, some of them I don't agree with, but here's the truth. Pride is not a characteristic of a Christian. It's not. We can, we can say it and, and, and blanket it wherever we want. We can position it in a way that makes us feel good. But pride is not a characteristic of a Christian. You will never prove yourself worthy to God. There's no way. You can't do it. Proving yourself worthy will only leave you tired. That's what happens. It'll only leave you tired. It'll leave you tired, frustrated, and feeling like you never measure up. I've seen so many people that they feel like they never measure up. And the truth is, is that until we let pride disappear from our life, we will not understand God's complete love for us. We won't understand the full picture. Proverbs 29 verse 23 says this, One's pride will bring him low, but he who is lowly in spirit will obtain honor. Think about it. Your pride will only bring you low. But when you're in that lowly place, maybe because of pride, maybe because of some other way, the lowly in spirit will obtain honor from God. You see, God has a plan for the one with the hardest of hearts so that they can come into the destiny that God has planned for them. So what keeps us from God's love? Number one, pride. The second thought is this, unbelief. Unbelief cannot trust the love of God because of the hurt and pain that we see in life. See, God is bigger than the circumstances that most deeply affect our lives. Some of you in this room have faced circumstances that would make me crumble if I had to deal with them. I know that. But the truth is, and where I put my hope in those times, is that God is bigger than the circumstances that most deeply affect us. Job 1 verse 21 says this, and may this always be our prayer in times of trial. It says, he says, The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. Our third uh, thing that keeps us from God and his love is this, time. Time is sometimes all that's needed for us to come to a fuller understanding of God's love for us. I've spoken with people over the years and I've shared God's love with them and I've been so blunt and truthful and I'm like, the voice of the Lord is speaking in front of you and they have a deadpan look on their face. Thanks, Pastor Jay. I'm going to go home now. Like, come on. God, oh, I just want to strangle them, you know? And then all of a sudden, something happens. A circumstance happens in their life years later. I remember one, one young lady, she went to a stinking camp I'd never heard of and came back. I love God all of a sudden. I'm like, what? I've lost five years of my life fighting for you. All right? And when you're young, it feels like a lot. All right. But the truth is, time is sometimes all this needed for us to come to a fuller understanding of God's love for us. Isaiah 55, verse 8 and 9 says this, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways uh, my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. I love that scripture. I 
probably read it too much to you guys, but it's true. See, what, ha- what God has been teaching me lately is that it's not you or me uh, or those around us that make things happen for God's kingdom. It's not just up to Pastor Jay to figure it all out and Pastor Katie to make it all happen. That's not what it's about. You see, we are simply vessels. We're simply conduits for God's plan that is always unfolding. God's plan is always unfolding. And it, it's, that's for all of us. We're just, <laughs> in some ways, I, I feel a bit like, oh, my hard work. No, it's just, we're just, God just uses us. That's it. It's not up to me. I don't, I used to think, man, if my shoes were a bit shinier and my hair was a little slicker and maybe I was a little thinner, I don't know, that things would just happen. No, it's none of those things. It's simply that God would use me. That God would use us for his plan. May our prayer be, God, would you use me today for your glory? Would you use me today for me, this has been a great reminder and revelation that I just shared. It's, it's not up to me, and it was never up to me. It's not my ways, but it's His ways. It's always been His ways. It's not, what is God saying to you? It's not, what is God, uh, what, uh, it's not what I feel God is saying to me. It's, what is God saying? What is He saying? <laughs> what is He saying? That's it. That's what it's all about. So church, who calls us the children of God? Where do we get that uh, title from? Where do we get that name from? Where does the term from, come from? Is it right to be called a child of God? Those are honest questions. And here's the answers for us today. First off, the Father calls us His children. 2 Corinthians 6 verse 18 says, I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. That's what the word says. Secondly, the Son, the Lord Jesus, says this in Hebrews 2, verse 11. It says, He is not ashamed to call them brethren, to call them brothers and sisters. And then finally, the Spirit does in Romans 8, verse 16. It says, The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. That's what the Spirit says. You see, being called a child of God is significant. It's significant to be called a child of God. Think, think of it in these terms. I almost gave this example earlier, but I didn't. But when we were reading about Cain and Abel, think about this. God didn't call Adam a child of God. Think about that for a second. He didn't call him that in Genesis. He, he used the word uh, son maybe and stuff like that. But we are uniquely his as his children. As the scriptures say, you see, we are chosen by God. We're chosen by God. We're reminded in uh, chapter 3 here of First uh, John that we shall be like him. Even our best imitation today of Christ will leave room. It'll leave room for us to be molded more and more like him. That's what happens. You see, when we meet the Lord face to face, whether by our physical death to this earth or because Christ has returned, we will be transformed and see him as he is. We'll see him in all of his glory. You see, knowing our destiny gives us hope for today. 
You see, because we know our destiny in Christ, we live in hope today, which in turn purifies our lives. It makes us want to be ready for him to, to serve him now, to please him today. One commentator wrote this hope in him. Ultimately, our hope is not in heaven or in our own glory in heaven. Our hope is in him. We must never set our hope on other things, not on a relationship, on success, on, on a mutual fund, uh, fi- financially, on our health, on your possessions, or simply just on ourself. Our only real hope is in him. That's where our hope is. You see, a songwriter said this, hope is the anthem for our soul. They said, hope is our heartbeat, our oxygen, our banner, our home, our future, and our song. That's what hope can mean to us. You see, hopelessness only comes without the love of the Lord Jesus covering of our lives. If you're hopeless, it means you haven't encountered the full Love of God in your life. So we switch gears here to another section in 1 John chapter 3, and we look at sin. You see, sin attacks on our relationships. That's where sin goes to first, is our relationships. Sin only tries to succeed in pulling us away from God the Father. Did you know that today? That's what sin does. It pulls us away from the Lord Jesus And God the Father, one commentator wrote this, we often fail in the battle against sin because we won't call it for what it is, lawlessness, an offense against the great lawmaker, God the Father. He goes on to say, instead we say things like, if I've done anything wrong or mistakes were made and so forth, call it for what it is. Sin and lawlessness, the first step towards Holy living is to recognize the, na- the true nature and wickedness wickedness of sin. You see, Jesus has taken the penalty of our sin. Our sin is taken away immediately when we come to faith in the Lord Jesus. Jesus takes the power of sin away in our lives. You see, this is the ongoing uh, work of Christ in our lives, is that the po- he's taking away the power of sin. He's taking that from us. Jesus takes the presence of sin away from us. This is the work that's completed as we pass into eternity and are glorified with Jesus. I look forward to that day where the presence of sin is no more in my life. You see, Jesus was manifested manifested to take away the sin in our lives. We can't abide in Christ and still have sin abide within us. They're impossible. They are opposites. I thought of it uh, this way. Just like magnets of the same polarity can't come together, it's the same thing when it comes to Christ and sin. They, they can't connect. They can't come close to each other. Am I suggesting that if sin is in our life, then Jesus is not? Ultimately, yes, I am suggesting that. If my life is lived in sin, then Jesus is only calling me back to him. He's, it's not that he's gone or that he won't talk to me, but he's not, he's not walking with me. He's not present. I'm not truly abiding with him because of the sin in my life. You see, righteousness is only true righteousness if it has the same characteristics as the righteousness 
of Christ. Think about that. Righteousness is only true righteousness if it has the same characteristics as the righteousness of Christ. Church, we live in a world of counterfeit. When you go to your car manufacturer, uh, your local car dealer for whoever built your car, and you want to get some extra parts for it, maybe some fancy accessories to fit your vehicle or for some parts, well, you go to the uh, the, the, uh, the car store, whatever, the dealership, you pay a certain price for that stuff. But if you're me, you learn that if you go online, sometimes you can buy the same part for less money. Sometimes it's the exact same part, but it has a different name on it. And that costs less money. Sometimes the parts that you get online are from a third party is actually better than the original manufacturer. Sometimes that happens. When I was thinking about this, I thought of, and, and you can laugh as much as you want. Hopefully you'll laugh. If you don't, uh, be tough. But uh, in Toronto, the ladies at church would walk around with these shiny bags. They're, they'd have these shiny bags, and some of them would have names on them like Gucci and Coach and Prada and Guess. If I felt a little feisty at church on a Sunday, maybe because someone gave me a note, I would go and go up to these ladies and I'd say, you know, the name on your bag has a spelling mistake. Or maybe I would notice your bag looks a little too shiny to be leather. I'd ask the ladies, did you know uh, that your name, the name on your bag was spelt wrong? Did you know that Uh, Your bag looks more like a plastic bottle than a purse. Sometimes they'd show me and they'd say, Pastor Jay, look at my new bag. And I knew where they would get it from. There's a street beside Yorkdale in Toronto, and it's called this. It's called Orphis Road. And if you've been in the city, you know about it. And on that road is a bunch of shops, and you can get anything on that road. For a fraction of the price. But sometimes what you buy, the name's spelt wrong on it. <laughs> or maybe there's a tag missing from it because it was stolen. <laughs> the truth is, it doesn't pass the smell test. What is that? It is a counterfeit. That's what it is. You see, the world doesn't need another counterfeit. It has enough Arlene, I don't think your sister watches my sermon, so I can say this. <laughs> she might today. Forgive me, Lord. Arlene's sister notices everything that Arlene gets. Right, Arlene? Don't nod. You, I don't want to incriminate you. If Arlene, oh, I don't want to get in trouble here, so I've got to be careful. If Arlene comes in with a, a new item on her person at, at Christmas or something like that, or any time, actually, she notices, Arlene, where did you get that piece of jewelry? Did Jason buy that for you? And it's, hopefully, yes, I hope so. <laughs> I, I haven't seen anything I haven't purchased, but hopefully. And she asked this question. I remember one time I decided that I'm going to get Arlene one of these bags. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to figure this out. I didn't have any money. 
I just had a credit on my credit card. That's all I had left. I'm going to get one of these. I had uh, money back. It wasn't just credit, credit on a credit card. Anyways, okay. And I decided I was going to go to the Coach Outlet store near our house. So I did. I went in there, and they had one of those deals where it was 50% off of the already 75% off. So this $3,000 piece of leather that probably no one ever paid for was like, a hundred bucks. That's what, that was the kind of deal. It was ridiculous. I bought it. What happens the first time Arlene shows up in it? Oh, Arlene, where did you get that from? <laughs> and it was because it was real. People thought it was fake because I bought it. No, it was real. All right. It was real. I don't buy Arlene that kind of stuff. Maybe for the boys, but not Arlene. You see, the world doesn't need another counterfeit. It has enough. If you practice righteousness, practice the righteousness that is within Christ. When you contemplate sin in our world, remember this. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. That's why he came. The scripture always reveals to us the truth of God. Finally, as we prepare for communion in a few minutes, we're reminded as we finish our text for today that we're to this we're to do this finally we're to love one another the enemy knows how to attack the world the enemy hates christ-centered relationships if you put christ at the center of your marriage you'll be under attack if you put christ at the center of your friendships you will be under attack if you put christ at the center of your business you will be under attack do you get where i'm going if you put Christ at the center, you'll come under attack. But church, we need to love one another. Beyond petty disagreements, differences of opinion, beyond political views, beyond our opinions on whether or not the Maple Leafs can win a cup and that the Raptors will repeat as champs and that the Blue Jays are finally going to be good again. Maybe. Finally, we remember the words of Christ. John 13, verse 34, excuse me, John 13, verse 34 says this, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. So love defined. What is love? We know that love is be, uh, because Christ laid down his life for yours and for mine. The scripture warns us that we must love as the Lord Jesus does. We aren't to just love in word or talk, but in our deeds and in the truth that we speak. Our love must be completely authentic. You see, God is greater than our sorry. You see, God is greater than our hearts, and He knows everything. He's He's greater than anything we could ever do. And he knows everything about us. You see, the love of God is different from anything you've experienced before. He's different from anything you've done before you met him. You see, how many of us remember? Ra raise your hand. I won't look. I, I don't want to know, really. But raise your hand. I'm closing my eyes. How many of us remember what it was like to be a teenager in love? How many? Okay, put your hands down. I'm not looking. If you remember... Or you're admitting that you remember. <laughs> Here's a quote for you. It's true you can say to a girl, I love you. 
But what you really mean is something like this. I want something. (laughs) Not you, but something from you. I don't have time to wait. I want it immediately. You see, this is the opposite of love. For love wants to give. Love seeks to make the other one happy and not ourselves. (laughs) You see, real love isn't just felt. More importantly, it's shown through our actions, through demonstration. Obviously, the ultimate demonstration was the giving of Jesus on the cross. I just thought of it. What if Jesus hadn't have died on the cross? He said, you know what? I love you so much, I was going to do it. I was going to do it. I love you so much that I thought about doing it for you. But the truth is, he wouldn't do it in that picture. Of course, that's not true. He followed through completely. And he gave his life for yours and for mine. Romans 5 verse 8 says, But God shows his love for us, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I came across this uh, song lyric, and I'd like to share it today. I get more truths out of songs than most people, so I I usually keep it under wraps, but I I listen to a lot of music. It says this, Because I still let myself worry way too much, and it ends up fine enough. It always has and does still now. I still need to think of other people more. Yes, I've thought of that before. Maybe one day I'll figure it out. And this is the line I want you to remember. It says this, You don't find peace until you love somebody else. You don't find peace until you love somebody else. Note to self. In, cr- in closing, I'm going to read this, uh, the last uh, verse of our text today. It says this, Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God, and God in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the Spirit whom he has given us. All these things, I think of all these things that chapter 3 says, and this is how we know that God abides in us. So in a second here, I'm going to pray, and uh, there's not many bored people around today, but Frank, if you could, if you could hold five hands, that'd be great. Five francs all at once usually happens. But I'm going to pray here. Let's bow our heads. So today, Father, we pray that you would abide within us. That we would love as you love us and as you've commanded us to love. We are reminded by Scripture of our desperate need for you to be Lord of our lives. Lord, as we turn to communion, may your name and renown be glorified in all we do and say. May the power of the Holy Spirit have dominion and work in and through us today. In Jesus' name.